My title tonight to tag on to last Sunday morning is this. It's now that we've waited for it. Now that we've waited for it. Look at your neighbor and say, now that we've waited for it. Now, waiting is never really a whole lot of fun. Somebody say amen. And I feel like in my personal life, all I've done for about the last 16 months is wait for something to happen. At first, it was waiting for COVID to end so that we could all go back to normal life. We don't need to expand on that any further. Then, it was months of waiting for the birth of our first child. And then, once he was finally born, it's like, man, it's going to be so cool when he can smile. I can't wait. I can't wait for him to laugh. And he's just getting there right now. Or for him to be able to talk. That's what I keep on saying to my wife. It's going to be so fun when he can talk. I can't wait. And then, to add fuel to the fire, we decided to move, sell our house, buy a new house, pack everything up with a newborn. And so then, it turned to do, I can't wait to find our next house. And then you find it, and you go, well, I can't wait to move. And then you go through the process of listing your current house, and you sell it, and it's like, I can't wait to sell the house. And then it sells, and you're doing the final preparations for the new homeowner, and you're like, I just can't wait for all of this to be over. I have said that a few dozen times in the last few months. Then you can think about church running concurrently with all that as we know it today, and we would say that I can't wait for this to be back to normal. I can't wait for the day that I don't have to register for services anymore. Hello? I can't wait. I can't wait for when we can go to two real services every Sunday. No offense, but overflow is just not 100% the same thing. And if you've been there, say amen. I'm not saying it's not good. It's better than staying home and doing nothing. But it's just not quite the same. So then we say, well, I can't wait for the new sanctuary to be done. Hello? Hello? Or maybe now it's like, I can't wait for the first mask-burning service where we, that we have, where we all Jericho around the new sanctuary that we didn't register to go to service for, throwing our masks into this big fire pit on the altar <laughs> as we pass by with firefighters on site and Pastor Jack not the one lighting the fire. <laughs> but whether it's waiting for the birth of your child or for the luxury to never step on Dusty Rose carpet again, waiting is not fun but it's totally worth it. Waiting is not fun, but it's totally worth it. And so picking up where we talked about last Sunday morning in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 to 49, here are Jesus' disciples being instructed to tarry, meaning to linger in expectation, to wait, to abide or stay in or at a certain place. He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning 
at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye, linger or wait in expectation in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Until you be endued with power from on high. That word endued literally means to, to sink into a coat. It's like when you're a kid and you get the hand-me-downs and the sweater's like four sizes too big and somebody still puts it on you. That's what that word endued means. And power, referring to dunamis, dynamic, miraculous power and strength from God. He said, go wait until you are endued with this power from on high. And we go to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, and it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But ye shall receive power, that dunamis, that dynamic, miraculous power, after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And right there, there's a colon. And he goes on to say this, And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Keep that verse on the screen for a minute. This colon, just to take you back to English class just for a moment. A colon may be used between independent clauses when the second sentence explains, illustrates, paraphrases, or expands on that first sentence. Therefore, this power that is being emphasized was to make them witnesses in the earth around them. This dunamis power that they were going to receive after the Holy Ghost came upon them was for them to be witnesses. Look at your neighbor and say, witnesses. And so when we go to the book of Acts chapter 2, Verses 1 to 4, it says this. And when the day of Pentecost, which was last Sunday, and we celebrate it, was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Somebody say amen. amen. Today, we still believe Acts chapter 2 in its fullness. Somebody say amen. amen. Today, we are still a one God apostolic, tongue-talking, social distancing church. Can't do a lot of the holy rolling six feet apart. That would take some synchronization. I don't think that some of us have based on how we move during the worship service. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But to continue on that point, I still believe that repentance is essential. And if you do, would you say amen? <laughs> I still believe that baptism in Jesus' name is essential. And if you do, say amen. And I still believe that receiving the Holy Ghost is part of God's plan of salvation. And if you do, say amen. 
Amen. I'll amen myself on that one. I still believe that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll know that you know you received it because you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. There's no other way. I thought I was in a Pentecostal church. There's no other way to receive the Holy Ghost. When you receive it, you will speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. There's no other way. Look at your neighbor say, there's no other way. It's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you're in a service. You might feel the Spirit of God moving, but that doesn't mean that you have received the Holy Ghost. It's not just a moment of emotionalism. Simon the sorcerer witnessed it being poured out in Acts chapter 8, and he tried to buy it. What did he witness? Did he witness people just crying? They might have been crying, but that wouldn't have been distinctive enough for him to understand that there was something different. Was it people rejoicing? Was it people talking about how they felt different? No, something indescribable happened. Something distinct happened for him to know what had just occurred. And he said, I need it. He said, give me this power. I need it. We could go to Acts chapter 10 and we can look at Cornelius, the devout man in his household, receiving the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, verses 44, and then skipping to 46, it says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word and, the, and heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. When you get the Holy Ghost, there's no second guessing. You're going to know that you know that you know that you've got it. Acts 19, John's disciples, it says in uh, Acts 19, verse 6, when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, semicolon. Take you back to English class for another second. But it says the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, we talked about what a colon is in English, not the part of your body. It's important, too. But a semicolon, it clarifies a series, and it indicates two closely related sentences. Therefore, sentence one has relationship with sentence two. Well, what happened in sentence one? The Holy Ghost came on them. And what happened in sentence two? They spake with tongues. These are the ones that we always go to when we talk about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and it's for a reason, because everywhere that we see the Holy Ghost being poured out, we see people speaking with other tongues. You just can't separate the two. When you receive the Spirit, you will speak in tongues. It is indeed the evidence. Somebody say the evidence. Why in the world? This part I just can't figure out. Why would you want to leave eternity up to chance? How could you ever be sure without having some sort of evidence? I get warm, fuzzy feelings when the barista hands me that beautiful iced coffee on Mondays and Fridays when I go there to Starbucks. But that's not the Holy Ghost. Some of you think it is, but it's not. It's not. You can go to weddings and funerals and get emotional, but that's not the Holy Ghost. But when somebody begins to speak in tongues for the first time, we know that the Holy Ghost has been 
poured out. It is the initial evidence. And that same spirit, we feel it in the room tonight. And if you haven't been filled before, tonight can be your night. Tonight can be your night. However, these are all important examples of people being filled with the Holy Ghost, with this evidence of them speaking in other tongues, a language that they did not learn. But it doesn't stop there. Because Jesus, when he was speaking in Luke Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, that they should tarry and wait in expectation, he didn't say go there to receive tongues. Who would have went? It's like, listen, you go there and you just wait until you just start speaking a language you don't understand. It's like, if I wanted to learn a different language, I would do it on my own time. Somebody could give me like the book, Spanish for Dummies. I'll figure it out on my own. I'm not going to go wait somewhere with 120 people in this stuffy upper room just for that. But that's because Jesus didn't say that was the reason to go and wait. No, he said you will be endued and you will receive power. Everybody say power. The dunamis power. The ability to do things beyond your natural ability. Supernatural power. Miraculous doing power. Power that you couldn't have without divine intervention. And those notes are from Pastor Raymond Woodward because he has preached about this before. But it's power that no matter what you do in life, you couldn't have it on your own. You couldn't work hard enough. You couldn't pray enough on your own. You couldn't do it. It's God that gives this dunamis power. And so here he is. He says, Terry, he says, go wait, go linger, go wait for this outpouring, go wait for this power that I want to give to you. He says that in Luke 24 and also Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so, all of that to say this, speaking in tongues is very important. It's the evidence of having received the Holy Ghost. It is the evidence. But it is nowhere near the entirety of what the Holy Ghost is in our lives. And I don't want to overemphasize the evidence at the expense of missing it in its entirety. Yes, it's important. Yes, We like to use this word nowadays. It is essential. Yes, it is. Praying in the Spirit is much needed. We just did it a few moments ago. But I want to emphasize what the Bible emphasizes, and that's the power. That's the dunamis that we receive when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, if you gave me the choice, listen, have this miraculous, wonder-working power, or if I had to pick just one, you know, speak in a language that you won't even understand when you're saying it. I'm going to go way over here. Way over here. It amazes me. It amazes me that not every denomination in Christendom seeks after the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I can understand that there are theological differences between denominations. I get that. Some preach that it is not essential, and that is not what we believe, and that is not what we preach. But regardless of whether you feel it would be essential for salvation or not, what self-respecting Christian wouldn't want the kind of power that you receive when you get the Holy Ghost? Who doesn't want that? 
regardless of whether you feel it is essential or not tonight, let me tell you, it will change your life. Don't get hung up on just the speaking in tongues part. It will happen when you receive the Holy Ghost. But more importantly, you will be baptized with fire, with power, with miraculous wonder-working power. It's important. The Holy Ghost is really important. And so here's my question tonight. Now that we've waited for it, now that Pentecost has fully come, and here we are a week later, now that we've waited for it, what are you going to do with it? Now that we have received this power, what are we going to do with it? And as Pastor Jack said, and it has been quoted many times, Pentecost has fully come, but Pentecost is not fully done. And so today marks one week after Pentecost, and I'm not specifically sure what happened on this specific date about 2,000 years ago, but I do know what happened in Pentecost, after Pentecost in general. Because when we flip the chapter from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 3, we see this dunamis power on display. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms of them. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he that had sat at the gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So here we have the Holy Ghost for the first time being poured out in the book of Acts chapter 2. But immediately when we turn the page and we go to Acts chapter 3, they did something with what they had just received. They were fulfilling what had been spoken. They weren't just taking what they had received and hiding it away, but they said, no, I can't contain this power. I can't hold this power back. Let's go be witnesses in the world around us, just like Jesus had said. And so Peter and John said, now that we've waited for it, now that we've tarried for it, now that we've been praying, let's put it to use. Now that we've got what we've waited for, let's show it to the world around us. Let's be a witness. Their witness wasn't in the tongues they spoke this time. Their witness was in the display of the dunamis power that they had received. And this was the first of many miracles. We read in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, that they brought sick out into the streets so that just the shadow of Peter would touch them 
and hopefully heal them because they had that much dunamis power. They operated in the spirit in such a way that they wanted to lay people out in the streets just so that their shadow would touch them. That's unbelievable. If you really take a moment to think about that, that's incredible. And sometimes I think that there can be an imbalance in the church, not just our church, not this church, but the church globally. If the only evidence that we display to the world around us is the fact that we speak in tongues, but that there is no power on display to follow it. And again, I preface everything that I said by saying that the Holy Ghost and receiving it is essential for salvation. And if you haven't experienced it, you need to. It will change your life. But if that is the only witness that we have, and there's no power that follows it up, I believe that there is an imbalance there. Have you ever noticed when you read about Jesus, how there are so many stories of crowds following him in the Gospels? Or people like we just read about in the book of Acts following the disciples. Luke chapter 4 verse 14 says, There went out a fame of Jesus through all the regions round about. Why was that? Well, in the case of Jesus, it was most definitely not because he was speaking in tongues, because that hadn't been poured out yet. It was because of what he did. It was because of the power that Jesus had. It was because of the miracles, signs, and wonders that followed him everywhere that he went. Crowds so great that he would have to sneak away. Crowds so great that a woman crawls on her hands and knees just to touch the hem of his garment. Why? Because of the dunamis power, that miraculous power. And you want to know what will still draw a crowd today? I'll give you one guess. Dunamis power. You want to know what will fill a new sanctuary? Dunamis power. You want to know what's going to keep the balcony full? And I'm not talking about a socially distanced balcony. I'm talking about COVID's gone, no restrictions balcony. You want to know what's going to fill that balcony? Dunamis power. If the dunamis power, that miraculous power of God is at work, we would not be able to house the amount of people that would line up to get into this building. And that's a fact. I preach that with confidence. If this was known as a house where miracles and signs and wonders happen, they'd be lined up down Downing Street trying to get a seat in the sanctuary. You would have to register a month in advance for service after all the restrictions were gone because it would be so full. Eric and his team would have gray hair in a matter of weeks trying to keep everybody socially distanced. They would push in. There will be a crowd like you had never seen in the house before. Cancel all the social media campaigns. Don't worry about the newspaper ads. You can shut off all the radio blurbs. You don't need to do outreach. You don't need to hand out tracts. If God has given us the Holy Ghost to be a witness, to, to have this dunamis power on display, you wouldn't need to do any of that. They would line up from here to Tim Hortons through the drive through just to get here. I want that kind of power. I 
I said, I want that kind of power. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. It's all right. We just we can just wait on the Lord for a minute. Reba karaboso ramanda raboso to rabaka. Leba ramakoroso ramanda raboso reba karaso to rama. Reba ramoso ramanda raboso to rabakaya. Jesus. Reba ramoso ramanda rokoso to rabara sataya. Let's just turn the house into the prayer meeting just for a minute. I can preach in a minute. Leba raboko rabaso to rabaka. Lord, would you let a fresh fire fall in the house tonight? God, would you give us a fresh revelation of the power that we have? Reba raboso ramanda laboso rekaya. Leroso ramanda raboko rabasoto rabakaya. Reba laboso ramanda rokoso rabakaya la labosoto rabaka. Meroso ramanda la lasoto rabakaya la laboso rabaka. Jesus, we're hungry for that kind of power. God, we're hungry for that kind of power. God, we're hungry. We want to see the miraculous. God, we want to see miracles and signs and wonders happen in this place. God, we want to see miracles and signs and wonders happen in our new sanctuary. God, we want to see lives change. God, we want to see crutches laid on that new altar. God, we want to see wheelchairs thrown in the dumpster behind the building. God, we want to see it. We want to see it. God, let there be a fresh fire that falls in this room right now. God, let it hit every soul. God, let it hit every spirit. Hallelujah. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. When we go to the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 1, it says this. And when Jesus had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. Everybody say power. Against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all. Everybody say all. All manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, this word power here is not the same word that we've been talking about. It is not this dunamis power because there is a difference. In this verse, this word power, it means exousia. And we've preached about this before. It means authority. Everybody say authority. And so what Jesus is saying, he said, he gave them authority against unclean spirits and to cast them out. He gave them the authority and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Exousia. It's authority, or also, as Pastor Woodward has preached before, it is restraining power. And so, humor me for a minute, but, you know, I went to the dictionary, and I wanted to look up the definition of the word all. And the first word was uh, 
all. I don't know. It's pretty self-explanatory. Look at your neighbor and say all. I think we all understand what that word means tonight. And so he said, I've given you authority to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. See, what does that mean? It means all. All means all. It means all things, everything, all men, whosoever, everyone, all manner of, every man, everything, whatsoever, whosoever, anything, nothing excluded. All. And so we can summarize it this way. God has given us authority against any and all sickness and disease and spirits. Nothing excluded. I thought somebody would be excited about that. That means all sickness that has ever affected your family. That means all disease. All means all. There is nothing that this authority doesn't cover. And so... In this strange twist, when we go to Matthew chapter 17, just a few chapters later, verses 14 to 16, it says this, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man. This is just after the Mount of Transfiguration. So they come down from this, this moment that they've had, unbelievable for those that were there, and they, they come down off this mountain, they, they come down into this multitude, and a certain man runs out, kneeling down to Jesus, and he says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire, and often into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. But I thought all meant all. And here we are, just seven chapters later. We can come back to the music. Here we are seven chapters later. And it's like, this just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. I thought Jesus said all. And here this man runs to the disciples and says, my son, he's, he's a lunatic, he's sore vexed, he's tormented by spirits. Please do something with them. They're like, okay. They pray and shake them, whatever they did. And nothing happened. You ever been there before? You pray for somebody that's got a sickness or they've got an infirmity or they've got a situation in their life or in their family, whatever it might be, and it's like nothing happens. And you go, why? Why? said, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything with him. How could this be? I thought that Jesus just gave us authority to heal and deliver all manner of sickness and spirits. He did. But they learned a lesson in this moment, because authority was only half of the equation. Let me, let me give you an example. A police officer, okay, has the, the power, he has the authority to pull you over for speeding. I know you might not like it, but they're allowed to. He has the power, he has that ability to do that. He has that authority, that's his job, to enforce the law. But 
that doesn't mean he has the power or the strength beyond his own natural ability to make you stop. He has the authority to pull you over. But he doesn't have the power or the strength to to physically stop or restrain your vehicle. Wouldn't that be a sight? Say, stop, you're speeding. Hops out of his car, runs 50 kilometers an hour after you, grabs your rear bumper, and you come to a screeching halt. You're like, did the Hulk just grab my rear bumper? What's going on? The Hulk, is that old now? Sorry. He has the authority to do it, but that doesn't mean he has the power to do it physically. And so here are these disciples who've been given authority, the exousia, to heal all manner. But what they were missing was this dunamis power. And so Jesus, when we go to verse 17, reading through to 21, Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. What I like about this, if you read it in the New Living Translation concurrently, in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, the same story is playing out in the New Living Translation. And when this man runs up to Jesus, and he says, you know, I brought my son to your disciples and they couldn't do it, but if you can do it, please do. And Jesus, in the New Living, he says, what do you mean, if I can? What do you mean, if I can? Jesus said, I can do it. There's no question about it. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus after everybody had gone away. They're kind of embarrassed, right? It's like, hey, Jesus. Hey, uh, remember that remember that time you, you gave us the authority? Yeah. Man, that was real embarrassing because we just tried to put it to work for like for this guy and, and nothing happened. Like, what happened? Why couldn't we cast it out? Why couldn't we cast this spirit out? And Jesus, he said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. He shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing, again, here he goes, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. How be it? Very important. If you've got your Bible, highlight it, underline it, copy and paste it onto Twitter, do something. How be it? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And so when we talk about power, and we think about God and the Spirit of God living inside of us with that initial evidence being us speaking in an unknown tongue so that we know that we know that we know that we've got it. So that we're not just leaving our salvation up to chance and feeling and emotion. And so here we are. He says, how be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and by fasting. Prayer and fasting are the key. Prayer and fasting are what keep us plugged in to that power, that dunamis power. We always have the authority in Jesus' name. But prayer 
and fasting. They take that authority and they weave it together with that dunamis, miraculous ability and our faith to perform things that we could not do under our own ability. You know, I've heard, I'm sure I've said it, I'm sure almost everybody in this room has said it, you know, bad storm, whatever it is, and the power goes out. And what do we say? We say, oh, we lost power. You ever said that before? We lost power. You didn't lose power. Envy power has the same amount of power now as they did before your power went out. It's not a lack of power that's the issue. It's not like your lights go off and you call MB Power and they're like, man, I'm so sorry, we just, we just ran out. I got nothing for you, I don't know. That's not the case. It's not that there is a lack of power. It's that somewhere there is a break in the connection. If it's a bad storm, you can go drive down the road, you'll find a tree toppled over the lines or maybe somebody bumped into a telephone pole, whatever it is. But it's not that there is no power. There's power. Look at your neighbor and say there's power. But it's that you're not connected to it. And when we talk about power from on high, as I come to a close, what I've learned about this dunamis power in my life, what I've learned about this power that we get when we receive this gift of the Holy Ghost is that it's really not like, like a battery. You know, it's not like you just charge it up, you throw it on the shelf, and you come back three months later when you need to use your drill, you plug it in and it, it seems to work. You can't just set this on the shelf and come back to it when you want it and expect it to work. If you want access to this kind of dunamis power, you've got to be consistently plugged into the source. And that's why Jesus said, I did give you the authority. And we've got that authority. But you need to take that authority and you need to pair it with this dunamis, miraculous, wonder-working ability. Jesus has no lack of power. There are so many scriptures that I could have pulled out tonight to talk about that. Jesus doesn't lack power. It's not like when you're praying for a miracle, he's like, I'm sorry, try again tomorrow because he got here first and I got nothing left. And it just, it, it's not like that. He's got all power. And so if that same spirit is within us, but yet we seem to lack the power, obviously it seems to be a connection issue. And so the disciples, they learned a very important lesson that day. Yes, we have the authority, but that doesn't mean that I can always do it. And you know, I, I think sometimes you know, there is this, this kingdom conflict that we don't see. There is this war in the spirit around us. There's spiritual warfare that, that takes place and we pray and we try to pull heaven down to earth. You know, Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We wrestle against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
And so my question, it's a twofold question. Now that we've waited for it, what are we going to go do with it? But also, when the world comes to us with their problems, just like this, this man did, his son was possessed with the Spirit. When the world comes to us with their issues, and we are supposed to have the answer because this man, he went up to them, and he said, well, I thought you followed Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. Yeah, he does miracles, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you could do them? Yes. Pray for my son. And nothing happened. When you go to work and your coworkers have issues in their home life or, or sickness in their family and they expect you to have the answer because you proclaim to be a Christian, are you going to have the answer for them? Are you going to have the power in that moment to pray for them? When the world comes to us, you know, we, we live in this world. And, and we had a youth rally a couple weeks ago, and when we were praying at the end, I really felt this, but we have this world that is, that is totally riddled with, with anxiety and depression and mental illness and all of these sorts of things. Suicide, drug addiction, and I know this is a little bit heavy, and I, I don't mean for it to be, but these are things that are so prevalent in our culture today new problems that we've never really faced before. Is the church going to have the answer for a hurting world? Is this church going to have the answer? Because I can tell you, depression, anxiety, mental illness, suicide, drug addiction, yes, there are elements to these that we can help with in society and culture and doctors and counseling. But I got to tell you that at the root of these things, there's a spiritual attack. And I think about our city and how over the last three or four months, I can't really recall how we've had two different young people take their life in our city. This, this spirit of suicide that is literally taking the lives of my generation. Will the church have the answer. When they come to us, are we going to have the authority and the dunamis, miraculous power to pray for them and see them delivered? Would you stand with me all over the house and would you pray? Lord Jesus, Lord, I believe that I'm in a room of people tonight that are hungry for a moving of your spirit. And God, as we prayed already, God, I pray that there will be a fresh fire that falls in this room tonight. God, I pray that you would quicken and bring it back to remembrance, this power that we have when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes, we will speak in tongues. Yes, it is the evidence, but more important than that, it is the answer to the world around us. It is the answer to the problems that our culture faces today. Lord Jesus. Would you baptize us with a fresh fire? Would you baptize us with a fresh fire? Would you pray in the Spirit with me for a minute? I just feel that same undercurrent of prayer in the room that's been here since the beginning. God, I speak against these spirits that are at work in our city. God, I speak against these spirits that might be at work in the homes of some people in this room, some people that are watching online right now, people sitting in overflow. I speak against these spirits of depression and anxiety and mental illness. God, I speak 
against the spirit of suicide and drug addiction. And we rebuke it right now. God, you have given us the authority and you have given us the power over all. And all means all. So Jesus, we're just claiming the power that is rightfully ours right now. God, I speak against every spirit. God, I speak against every stronghold. God, I speak against every principality and power in our city, and I rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. I push back in the spirit in the name of Jesus. God, baptize us with a fresh fire. God, would you renew us? God, would you refill us? God, would you restore us tonight? God, we want that dunamis, miraculous, wonder-working power at work in our lives. God, we want to see we want to see the lame walk. God, we want to see the dumb talk. God, we want to see crutches on the altar. God, we want to see drugs left on the altar. We want to hear the testimonies of the one that wanted to take their life. But you came in and you set them free. Reba karaboso ramanda. Reba raba koramanda laboso to rabakaya. Reba resondo rabakaya. Reba karamondo laboso to rabakaya. Reba noroso to rabakaya. Laboso to rabakaya. Jesus, not only do we want it, but we need it. We need that power at work in our lives. So God, I pray that this would be a moment of consecration as individuals, as we close this chapter of our church history and as we move back into a fresh sanctuary. God, as we move back into a fresh building. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. I really feel the spirit of God right now. But God, more than that, I'm expecting greater. God, as we transition from this room into our new sanctuary, God, I pray that that altar, God, I pray that that altar would be an altar for somebody that doesn't come to this church yet. God, I pray that that altar would be a place where deliverance occurs. God, I pray that that altar would be a place that healing occurs. God, I pray that that altar will be an altar where kids receive the Holy Ghost for the first time. Where there's refilling, where there's outpouring. Lord, where there's signs and wonders, where tumors will fall off, where cancers will burn up. Would you pray that with me? I really feel that in the spirit right now.